We're on. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Forging the Path. This is a podcast especially geared toward men, a series of conversations about what it means to follow Jesus in today's culture, today's crazy <laughs> culture filled with a bunch of lies. And uh, we want to be a source of encouragement for men today because the fact is most men don't really know who they are, what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, so this is a this is hopefully a podcast that will encourage a generation of men who are battling isolation, distraction, and passivity. And today, I'm super excited and very honored that uh, one of my best buddies for over the last about about 10 years, uh, he's like a brother to me, Nate Akshuda here is with me. And uh, first of all, Nate, welcome. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, this will be fun. <laughs> Nate and I have been doing a lot of life together. Um, for about a decade now, especially we had a good five-year run where uh, we were doing a, a bit of a funky house church in our own living room, um, and Nate and his family were an integral part of that. Uh, we got to see some, we got to see some cool stuff. Some really cool stuff <laughs> in yeah. that season of life, and uh, and now we're we're pretty excited to be into um, into a local church in our community with a lot of cool dudes, and um, it looks a little bit different, but it's the same God. And uh, we're seeing a lot of the same cool things happening in people's lives. So, Nate, um, you are, how long have you been married now to Lindsay? So we've been married for, and I'm kind of on the spot here, so it's, <laughs> it was 16 years this last June. Right on. Okay, so going over 16 years and you've got three kids, uh, boy, girl, boy, and, uh, and n not too different from my three, girl, 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 a uh, couple years apart, but our, our two, uh, well, no, your middle and our youngest are like best friends. They are, and they have been since <laughs> just after learning to walk, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, practically joined at the hip, so that's that's been fun. And uh, we're going to talk today with a, with a special focus uh, in this conversation about marriage, the purpose of marriage, the role of a godly husband, and how do we create better and healthier marriages all around. Uh, so if you have a great marriage, uh, you, I guess, listen in because you might find a couple extra tips, but if your marriage is struggling, uh, listen in because you got two guys here who know a thing or two about that and have seen God do some cool things in our lives to, uh, to help us grow. So Nate, first of all, let's tackle this, this first question because the world is no help to us at all in this regard. What is the purpose of marriage? Why do we do this? Yeah, I think uh, whenever we're looking at questions like this, I think our source of truth and answers is always Scripture. Um, and it's marriage is one of those topics, I think, in the Bible that's very pretty well clearly laid out by God and is designed by God. So uh, the, the idea of marriage was first introduced in Genesis chapter 2 um, when God created Adam and Eve and... Um, God specifically describes Eve as a helper suitable for Adam. Adam, just like this Adam and this Nate, I think are not, I mean, we're in need of helpers. Amen. <laughs> and, and helper does not mean a subservient, um, passive participant in the relationship. It means a strengthener um, in the translation. And I think that was God's intention is that we're, I'm creating a union and I'm creating it from creation. And that's where the idea of marriage comes from. Yeah. Uh, for us anyway, for us Bible-believing Christians. Yeah. And 
as Adam said, I think the world, uh, like the enemy likes to do, is sort of slowly trying to redefine what marriage is and um, sort of uh, maybe diminish the importance that it holds. And we see that every day. We see marriages fail uh, all too easily. We see um, the definition of marriage is changing, and I think it's probably one of the biggest issues in our society today. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think it's important for us as men to remember that this wasn't our idea. You know, mar- marriage isn't something we created and we get to recreate and redefine. And so that's why you'll see um, anybody who's got a solid grasp of Scripture and a conviction of, of faith, uh, that's, that's Judeo-Christian in its nature. They're, they're going to hold the line on this. No, 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 no. We, we can't redefine marriage. It's not. It's, it's one man, one woman, covenant promise for life. Anything outside of that, which culture has a lot of, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's out, of, uh, out of step with Scripture. And we can be bold in saying that. I think I, think I would love to, I'd love to see more men in our culture step up and say that. And not, it doesn't even have to come with a biting, angry tone. It can just be very matter-of-fact. Uh, Christian men out there, I would encourage you, just blame the Scriptures. Just be like, hey, look, it's, it's not me. I didn't write the book. I didn't create the thing. Marriage is one man, one woman for life under God. And that's what we plainly see in the, in the Bible. Uh, it's been a tremendous help to me in, uh, in debates with people. I love that you said, Nate, that uh, <laughs> you, you referenced the early Genesis story. And I love that line where the Lord says, it's not good for man to be alone. And that's the first time God says anything about his creation that is not good. And so he says, I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. So uh, why, why is that really important for us as men to remember and, and how does that affect us on a day-to-day? You know, mar- marriage is hard. <laughs> how, does that, how does that bring any encouragement? Yeah, and, and I think that's the last point you made there is really important uh, in the sense that, it, you know, we talk about it in such simple terms. It's black and white. Here's what God says, so just go do it, right? <laughs> I mean, it, being a good husband or having a, a strong, healthy marriage is probably one of the d- most difficult things you're ever going to do. That's right. Um, it, it takes constant vigilance and work, just like your relationship with God. Um, the, I, th- I, think, um, it's, I think it's always important to understand kind of what Scripture tells us about marriage and how you know, it, it's intended to work. Mm-hmm. So it, I think if, if, you ha- if your definition of marriage or your goal for marriage is that this relationship is designed to fulfill me and my needs, it's, it's designed to make me, quote-unquote, happy, then I think you're kind of missing the boat. Um, a, a godly marriage is one that uh, is, is, in a sense, uh, an act of worship to God. You're, you're, it's an act of obedience um, and, and a representation of Christ's relationship with, with its church. Yeah. So for us as husbands, what does that mean? That's, um, I think Christ is our model, right? So how, did, how does Christ love us? How does Christ love the church sacrificially? Yeah. Christ loves us no matter what crappy thing we did you know what what crappy thing we continue to do christ loves us the same um us as husbands i think we're called the same way to to love our wives no matter what may have happened between us no matter what maybe she said that you didn't like no matter it our job is to love sacrificially and unconditionally and that that's kind of where the hard work comes in yeah 
Yeah, hey, Nate, what would you say? This isn't in our outline, but this just, this thought occurred to me. What would you say to men who are in a relationship with a woman? They're, they're basically, for all intents and purposes, they're, they're basically married, but they don't have the ceremony. They don't have the certificate. I, I have several friends in my life that were or are like that. I have extended family members who were or are like that. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get the sense when I talk to these guys that they actually realize marriage isn't to make me happy. And that's why I'm not committing. That's why I yeah. don't want to sign the paper. That's why I don't want to have the ceremony. What's the big deal? I get to live with this woman. She, maybe she helps me around the house, cooks for me, and uh, we get to have sex. And wh- like, why would I put the ring on it? Right. Why would I, why would I risk that? This is great. Why would, what would you say to guys like that? Cause the, I mean, that's, there's tons of them in our culture right now that, that are Mm -hmm. just like that. Yeah. And I, I know, I know examples as well. And you you know, what would I say? (laughs) Um, I think, I mean, clearly it's, it's, it's an act of obedience. I mean, God commands us to do it. If I think, you're living outside of God's intention for a relationship between a man and a woman if, if you don't make that covenant with her and with him. Um, and then I would say, even just further on a practical side or practical note, I don't know too many women that don't desire for you to make a stronger commitment to them. I, I, I think nine out of ten of those women in those relationships, I, deep down I think desire for you to commit to marry them, but they're afraid to challenge you uh, for fear of kind of pushing you too hard and losing you. So if, if you really love that woman, I think the least you can do is commit to being her husband. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I get it. I think there's, there's fear that's, that's, you may view that as a risk. You know, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable, um, and committing yourself to something you're not sure you can do. I know, I know when I got married, I, I had a lot of, um, I doubted myself. Like, am I really going to be a good enough husband to Lindsay? Um, am I really, am I cut out for this? I know how broken I am. I know I'm sinful. Uh, I know I have a lot of friends that aren't married. What, what's that going to look like? But at the end of the day, I just knew that I, I loved her so much that it was, it was my obligation to do it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of a rambling answer, but, um, I think that's, living in that type of relationship is just outside of God's intention uh, and design for the relationship between a man and a woman. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like what you how you ended that is so good because I was going to chime in and say that there's something about the nature of how God created us as men. We're, 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 we're designed to make commitments, to have disciplines, to, to it's not all about you men like and and you actually there's a deeper joy in husband being a husband and in fatherhood because you're you're that sacrificial way of living actually taps into something really deep in our nature as men that we're designed to do um and when you when you live selfishly like outside of the way that scripture is telling us to i think you're missing out on on so much but yeah, I've, I've wondered, like, yeah, am I trying to sell marriage to some of my friends who are just living with their girlfriends? Because the way I, w- I wouldn't do it is, oh, it's, it'll make you happier. It's, it's better. It's easier. Now, sometimes none of those things are true. It's certainly not easier. <laughs> <laughs> but is there more joy 
in the sacrifice? Is there, is there something about your nature that you were designed to actually live for the benefit of other people around you in a way that demands sacred promises and, and keeping your word and showing up even when you don't feel like it, uh, putting the needs of others before yourself? I think we had in the past, and at least in our culture here in the West, we had a generation of men who knew what it meant to make a promise and keep your word and, and commitments meant something. And today, I think we shy away from that, again, boiling down to passivity. And so I would just like to encourage any, any guys out there who find themselves in this situation or who, who are maybe even wrestling with like, oh, do I even marry the girl, whatever, is, is marriage worth it? There's a lot more that goes into it than just this, but I will say there's, uh, there's something about how you were created by God that... Um, that will lead to deeper joy and fulfillment and satisfaction when you do, you know, live out those, um, those commitments and those sacred promises for your family around you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I think I'll, I look back at my life as well. And I, I look at some of the places that God's taken me and, you know, whether it's professionally or, or as a father. And I know that none of it would have been even remotely possible without Lindsay there encouraging me. So I, I, I would say to guys that I know, I mean, just imagine any time that you, you know, I think, I think the way the enemy attacks a lot of us men is through self-doubt, insecurity. Um, I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not capable of or qualified for this promotion. One, one way that uh, Lindsay's just been amazing for me is just encouraging me through those times and saying, no, you are good enough. Um, you, you have what it takes. You need to stop listening to the enemy, you need to start listening to your creator. And I think unless you have, you've made a marriage commitment, I think um, you're missing out on some of that. I think you're, you're not, you don't have somebody who's walking in lockstep with you through everything that you go through. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know that I would be just kind of a mess without it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. You would, you would not be living in your full potential. No. And neither would I. Absolutely. Cause like, like Genesis says, it's not good for the man to be alone. Uh, I think one, one thing I'd like to just hammer on this as far as the purpose of marriage is uh, that it's not about you. And, and if there's any women listening, wives, uh, this is harder to say to women, I think, for me. Anyway, marriage is not about you either. And that's where, Nate, was. you were referencing Ephesians 5. Um, marriage, Paul's like trying to help the Ephesians get it as he's, as he's going in Ephesians five here, he, marriage is all about, he says it's a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So marriage was created by God to give us and the world a picture of his relationship with his people. And when marriages are at their healthiest, it shows that self-sacrificial love. Husbands playing the role of Christ, laying his life down humbly in leadership for the sake of his bride, the church. And then wives playing the role of the church in respecting and submitting to their leader. And when both do that, you you see a vibrant, thriving, healthy, life-giving marriage that should be inspiring to the people around them thoughts yeah i agree and i I also you know as i look at it you know paul's letter to the ephesians i kind of think about why i always think about what was his intended purpose with this some of this advice he's giving the church right and i 
Paul clearly thought that for the unity and strength of the church in Ephesus, that marriage, strong, healthy, biblical marriages were at the core of that. And I think, I think that applies today more than ever in terms of our, our churches especially, but society as a larger, um, just, just society as a whole. You look at a lot of the ills and the kind of breakdown in modern society, I think it can be directly traced to the failure of marriage or the, just the failure for couples to even get married. You see broken homes, you see children, fatherless children, um, and just a cycle of, uh, of depravity that's much less likely to happen if you've got a two-parent household and a godly marriage. And I think it's just Paul knew that how important that was for, for the stability of, of the Ephesian believers. And I think it's you know just as important, if not more, for us today. Oh, man, that is so good. I wrote that down in in my notes. Healthy marriages create thriving societies. Healthy marriages create healthy churches, and then healthy marriages and healthy churches create thriving societies. That's that's huge, and that's why Satan has been attacking marriage so hard from the beginning, but especially in our culture today. So, Nate, what what's the role of a godly husband then? I mean. We, we're, I think we've determined the purpose of marriage as laid out in Scripture. Now, what's the role of a husband in that marriage? Yeah, that's a, that's a big, complicated question. One, I, I, and I want to preface that I, I don't have this figured out. It's one that I'm figuring <laughs> out every day. It's a, um, I feel like maybe I've made some progress, but a uh, very challenging concept. But I think, in essence, the role of a godly husband is to be Christ-like in your relationship with your wife and kids, which means, um, I think, laying your life down daily. I think taking your cross up daily, um, laying down your old selfish nature, because let's be honest, we're created selfish. Uh, you know, most of us guys as teenagers and, and in our younger 20s, maybe before we got married, we lived 100% for ourselves. We got to do whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. We, all right, I'm going to hang out with these friends all the time, and then I'm going to go spend all day long watching whatever sport I'm into. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no accountability. Then you get married, and it's suddenly kind of this immediate shift is expected where, well, now I'm answering to somebody else, um, and I, I no longer can I just do whatever I want. So I think, first and foremost, a godly husband um, lives sacrificially for his his wife and his kids, if there's kids. Um, so what does that mean? Um, it means, uh, number one, you consider her above yourself. You know, if mm -hmm. I, is this decision I'm going to make hurt her? Is it, is it inconsiderate? Uh, it, it means that we work very hard to make sure that our wives and children are supported. You know, uh, at the end of the day, I think that we're going to be held accountable to God for what happens within our family. So I think it means leading your family to Christ above all. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's an area that I struggle with. You know, my Adam knows my wife really, really well. She's uh, just absolutely on fire for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And she has a very strong personality. And it's easy to, to sort of stay in the background and say, well, you know, she handles the church stuff. <laughs> she, she She's... Uh. Um, and more than anything, she wants me to, to lead in that area. So that, I think it, a godly husband, I think, leads his wife and children to, to Christ. 
and sets the example. You yeah. know, it prioritizes his time in the Word. Um, it's I think it's good for your kids to see you in Scripture and see that you you're willing to get up earlier and do that before work because you can't your day doesn't lay out properly unless you do. Yeah. So I mean that's just uh, there's there's a lot of ways, but um, I think it's I think it's dying to yourself and living sacrificially yeah. for your wife. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, what am I missing? No, that's no. I don't think you're missing anything. I just it's such a big topic. You know, there's no way to cover it in a half hour podcast. Obviously, that's you know that's why we'll do dozens of these and um, and encourage you guys with other books and things like that. I, I I love what you said about um, getting up early, leading your family that way, and and I'll say that's that's been a growing conviction for me. Uh, to, is to just get up early. I'm I'm not by nature necessarily a morning person. I, I love staying up late, but over the last several years, probably yeah, 2020 especially was a wake up call for a lot of us men. Uh, I've just made a a promise to myself and to the Lord most days, you know, six days of the week for sure, usually all seven, I'm going to be the first one up in our house. Now I'll say, Hey, any guys out there working third shift, whatever, like this, it, it can be different, but I do think there's uh there's something to getting up before the rest of your family for the purpose of prayer, scripture. And, you know, if you're like Nate and me, the, 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 the early morning workout, um, but when, when you do that, I think you're acting uh, in a way as high priest of your house. And that's, that's a leadership role that we see in Scripture really clearly. Like, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to make sure my kids are covered in prayer. I'm going to make sure my wife is covered in prayer. I'm going to make sure I stick my nose in the Bible. And maybe I'm going to do, you know, do something active to get the blood flowing. And th- those are just super, super healthy um, ways that a, a husband can can be who God created him to be. I, I like the, um, you know, uh, the pr- alliteration, uh, provide, protect, preside. Like when I think of the role of a godly husband, um, those three words have been really beneficial to me. I've heard them on several other podcasts, sermons, and, and whatnot over the last few years. But to provide for your family, they look. that doesn't just mean financially. I, that I'm talking, some guys I know, do a great job, and they, you can probably attest to this. They, they, they do a great job providing financially, but they don't necessarily provide emotionally. Right. Right. So to be a provider, w- when we say that word, we, we mean that holistically. Yeah, go, go crush it at work and in business. Do that for sure. But also be available when your kids need to talk to you. Be available when your wife needs to talk to you um, emotionally and spiritually provide for them as well. Uh, protect again that's also not just physical i think there's there's something spiritual in that we have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour and so if there was a literal lion prowling around your house uh, like how would you protect your family well there's a spiritual lion prowling around your house so be vigilant and be on guard as a husband that's our role and then presiding, I think that uh, Nate was just hitting on that beautifully earlier. Presiding means not to be dominant, authoritative. Presiding means to humbly lead and lay your life down, to be the first one to sacrifice, to be 
the first one to get in line to do something that's difficult for the benefit of other people around you. Uh, and those, those three words, provide, protect, preside, I would say kind of sum up the role of a godly husband pretty well. Although, although I might be missing some things, but have you ever heard those three words? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I think it's spot on. And I think, uh, as far as the provision part that you talked about, I think that's a great example. Cause I think for a lot of guys, for us, it's easy or, or, or how we put that in context, I should say it's, it, you know, a lot of us, it's easy for us to see our roles as like, I need to provide for my family financially. And I work hard at that. But then guess what? When I get home, I'm off the clock. I don't want to be bothered by parenting or whatever the case may be. I think that's that's a way that a lot of us lay our lives down and sacrifice is that, you know what, I work 10 hours and I'm exhausted, but my kids need something when I get home. My wife's also exhausted. Um, I, I don't absolve my responsibility as a father and a husband because I handle one area, let's say, in our family. So that, that's been one of the bigger challenges for me, too, is that uh, they deserve my attention just as much as my, my colleagues and coworkers do and, um, and my job does. I mean, it, more so. Yeah. So I, I would hate to neglect the spiritual health of my family or the, the health of my marriage to try to make a few more dollars. Nobody's going to remember that. Right. 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 So I think it's really important for us as men to put that into context and that it's important and essential, but it's not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I agree with those three things completely. Yeah. Oh, I, I had a, I had a guy early in my marriage with Claire. Um, you know, he, he basically said, Adam, I, you, you would fail at your marriage if you, and I was a teacher at the time. He's like, if you went out and, and, you know, won all these teaching awards, you know, all your students loved you, all your other, you know, all the other teachers spoke highly of you and, and you just, you changed so many lives at school for decades, but then you gave your family your leftovers, you know, mm-hmm. he, he looked me in the eye and said, and he was a teacher for, for many, he was, it's interesting. He, he taught the, the Bible class at our Christian school and he taught science and he, um, he was awesome. And he was actually the, the officiant at our wedding too. But he said, don't, don't give your family, your wife and your children, your leftovers. You know, you have to be able to come home and take a two minute break in the car if you need to and say a prayer and say, all right, now my highest priority, my highest ministry and I'm done with work. I'm coming home, and I want to show up for my family. I want to come in the door and really be present, um, be excited to see them, be ready to help with dinner, you know, help with the bedtime routine, and and be attentive and present. So uh, that was good for me. I like that analogy of like, yeah, I I am so tempted to do that even today still to work really hard at the office, then come home, and I I I am tempted, guys. I want to come home and watch the game or you know, Netflix and check out for two, three hours and then go to bed. But that, that does nothing to create a legacy and a heritage for my family. And it does nothing to fulfill the role that God's called me to as a husband and father. So you, you have to wage war against those temptations. Um, let's do this, man. We're going to land the plane here in the next couple minutes. The last question is, how do we create better, healthier marriages? And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, let's make it really practical. Uh, what are some practical actions uh, for anybody listening, um, Nate, that you've discovered practical action plans for husbands and fathers? Yeah, so the, uh, this is a, an area that I had to be really intentional about going, going back 10 years. And I think, so 
I'll put it kind of in order in, in for me in which it occurred. I think the number one thing is that I had to find a, a biblical, a godly mentor type figure. Um, so Adam and I share somebody. Um, we, we have somebody that kind of fills this role for both of us, actually. Yep. And, and this, this man, by the, by the way, probably does it for like seven other guys. He's just amazing. Uh, somebody who, who can both sympathize with some of the things you might be feeling, but also still hold you accountable and say, you know, I understand that you feel that way. And it, it, maybe it's okay to feel that way, but guess what? It's not good enough. You need to do better. Um, so we, we, for me, that was absolutely huge is just finding somebody that could speak life into me, somebody that, um, could hold, hold me accountable. Somebody who kind of walked through a lot of the things that I did early in my marriage and kind of let me know that, listen, this is, this is okay and it's normal, but God wants better for you too. Uh, Mm. and one of the best pieces of advice that he gave me was here's what I want you to commit to do. This was a, a kind of a harder time in my marriage where we, you know, you, everybody goes through those stretches where you're not connecting, things aren't going well, but this was lasting for months. And I, I finally, I was at my wits end and, and humbled enough that I, I actually just reached out to him, which was really hard for me. Mm. It was hard for me to ask for help. And I said, listen, man, I need, what, what advice can you give you, me? What can you do? Um, he committed to meeting with me once or twice a week, and I think it was for like six months or a year. Mm. Um, so, and one of the, one of the best pieces of advice he gave me was, here's what I want you to do for the next month or two months, three months, whatever it was. He said, I want you to pray with your wife every single day, morning before you leave for work and every evening before you go to bed. Ooh. And I want you to do it seven days a week. And I want you to do it regardless of whether you're getting along or not. Dang. <laughs> and, Dang. and for me, uh, you know, so I was, also, at this time, I was fairly new in my relationship with Christ. I, I would consider myself a newer believer. I don't know that I'd ever prayed out loud before. And I think for a lot of us guys, it's, it's praying is not something that comes naturally. I felt very awkward doing it. I was very self-conscious. Um, but I committed to Dale that I was going to do it, and I, I was scared to death to disappoint him. <laughs> so I did it. And... And, it, you know, we did it at, immediately after having arguments. I mean, it was just amazing where mm. she's mad at me, I'm mad at her. And I said, I, you know, we need to pray. And she kind of grudgingly, all right, fine. Wow. And then a, as we do this, you could just you can just feel your heart soften. And I think she I could see it in her, too, that like, listen, um, we're not we're not each other's enemy. We're not battling each other. We have a common enemy that hates our relationship. So let's pray and let's get on the same page. And. For my marriage, that was transformative, and it's something that 10 years later or whatever it's been, we still do every single day. Even if I'm out of town, a lot of times we pray over the phone um, just because it's that important for us. I think, kind of back to what Adam was saying earlier, too, about um, setting an example for your family, kind of being having your kids see you up early in the morning, see you in the Word. My, we, we pray as a family every day before my kids go to school and I go to work and everything. So um, my, my two boys especially see their dad praying out loud over the family, and I think they're, they're having that model to them that, you know what, this is normal, this is what a dad does, and this is one of the ways that a dad leads their family. So, And, you know, I'll be honest, there's days I don't feel like it. There's days I don't, I don't feel completely fulfilled by the Spirit, and I, I'm like, all right, this is a discipline, that, like, like your relationship with God, I think a lot of times it requires discipline just like anything else. And that's, 
Uh, so that was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. Um, I think another huge thing for us guys is that you need to be plugged in with a group of men, a band of brothers that are like-minded, that, that hunger for the word, um, that, that holds you accountable because I, I, one of the, for us men in particular, I think one of the biggest risks and one of the best ways that the enemy attacks us is through isolation. I think a lot of men, especially as we get families and we get older, you have less close male friendships. Yep. It, it's just much harder to maintain them. You live for your wife and kids. Um, Satan wants nothing more than for you to be isolated at night every weekend, alone with your thoughts. Um, nobody to discuss issues in your marriage with other than yourself or even worse maybe people that aren't believers you know the word, world's going to tell you you don't deserve that you don't you deserve to be happy why do you put up with this that's uh, the right group of men are going to say no you're, you're being selfish you need to knock it off are you praying with your wife well maybe maybe i got maybe i got a little axe in that all right how much time are you spending in the word i i need guys and i probably will the rest of my life i fully admit that that, that hold me accountable in those ways. And Adam's been one that, that's always done it. You know, somebody who's not afraid to say, yeah, I know what you're saying, but guess what? You're kind of being an idiot. And he's not afraid to say that to me. Neither is Dale. <laughs> and you need to find guys that are comfortable saying that to you. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's awesome. So, okay, to just sum it all up, uh, friends, let... let uh, you got to get into the word. You know, if you want an action plan for husband and father and you're not in the word every day, right there, like Nate and I would both look you in the eye and be like, f- f- make the time, find the time. I don't, it doesn't have to be two, two hours, but you got to get in the word. One of the reasons for that for us is Jesus will give you strength and inspiration to be the husband that you're called to be um, if you're in the word every day his grace is sufficient for you. Otherwise this whole podcast is going to sound like, well, you got to step up. You got to do more. You got to be better. No, you got to fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what you got to do. And let him give you everything you need for life and godliness and help you become the man that he's called you to be. I love what Nate said about pray with your wife. Don't just pray for her. That's good too. But keep in mind what he said. Pray with her, even after arguments. That was huge, Nate. I love that. <laughs> and uh, and uh, de- devote yourself to that. And I would I would agree. It sounds like Nate, you're doing it twice a day. I would say at yes. least once a day. So <laughs> Nate's doing. I got to up my game, bro. Um, yeah, Claire and I pray every morning, but <clears throat> we could do every night as well. That would be uh, only extra blessings. So I've I've I know some guys who are really nervous about praying with their wives, praying over their wives. And one of the cheat codes, I'll just give you a cheat code. It's it's just a 10-second blessing. Hey, hey, men, put your arms around your wife and pray a 10-second blessing. It could sound like this. Uh, hey, God, I just pray that you would bless my wife today. Thank you for her. Amen. You start there. Something is better than nothing. And guess what? You'll get better as you pray over her more and more like that. Uh, it's better to do that poorly than not at all. And then the last couple of things Nate said there, brotherhood and mentor. You got to find them. I know they're getting harder and harder to find, but they're out there. So find a brotherhood, guys who will speak honestly to you, and find a mentor, somebody who's a little bit ahead of you 
in marriage and in their walk with Christ who can, uh, who can speak the truth to you. That's a pretty awesome podcast, Nate. Yeah, and I think I just wanted to add one thing. I think we're talking a Please lot do. about discipline, sacrifice. It, none of this probably sounds very fun. I just want to I want to make the point that if you can do these things and not not perfectly, you're going to slip. I mean, we all do. Right. But if you can put some of these things into place, just stand back and watch what God will do with your marriage and, and with your kids. And it'll it for me, it's absolutely transformed my relationship with my wife. Um, it's our marriage has become something I, I never envisioned that it could be. And, and it brings me joy every day that I never thought I would see. So I, I just want to make that point that um there is, there is true uh, joy and blessing and happiness that comes from these things. Um, and you, you, the response from your wife will be everything that you've ever hoped for if you can do this stuff. So I, th- I just thought it was important to say that.